Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks and praise for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to minister. I thank you that your spirit is within me, Father God, to give out the word, and the spirit is within the hearers to receive the word. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory for this evening. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right. Well, you'll notice that uh, my slides, well, it says, what are you looking at? But I had this title one time, Body, Soul, and Spirit, because I figured to get people wondering, because the scripture actually says spirit, soul, and body. So 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.23, and it says from the Amplified, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from, separate you from profane things, make you wholly consecrated to God, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then James 2.26, it says, For the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its works of obedience is also dead. And then Romans 8.11 And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ from the dead will also restore your life to your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you have that other slide there. So what I want you to look at here in this next slide that's coming up, this this is you before Christ, B.C. You'll see spirit, soul, and body, and there's really not a lot of difference. You're basically going to hell in a handbasket because there is no revelation knowledge in there. It says, remember that you're one time separated. This is where we were, separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part in him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation, and strangers with no more in the sacred compacts of the Messianic promise, with no knowledge or right in God's agreements or his covenants. And you had no hope, no promise. You were in a world without God. For once you were in darkness, and now you're in the light of the Lord. And so we're to walk as children of the light and lead the lives of those who are native born in the light. Got that third slide? I need to check my slides. What we have here is one of the things that when we were before Christ, you'll notice in the soul, your mind, that we were ruled by our emotions. Everything turned us one way or another, whether we felt happy, whether we felt sad, whether we were up, whether we were down, and our world revolved around that. And you'll notice in the far left, you'll notice that the physical body is looking in a mirror, the mirror of the world. One of the scriptures talks about how we look in a mirror darkly, or it says in King James, a glass darkly. And we look into it, and we're not really perceiving what we are. We know that once we look at that scripture, or once we look at that picture, if we turn away, we don't see ourselves anymore. You know, that's the only time you actually see yourself. You never see yourself again. So it's like when you do your hair, and you look all cute and everything, and you go out and the wind blows. That's why I cut it short. <laughs> But you got the wind blows and, and you don't know. It just went, right? Well, this is, this is how we 
before Christ handled our lives. We, we were looking out here, what was the world telling us? I mean, what clothes are we supposed to buy? How was our hair supposed to look? Whether you're supposed to have a beard, whether you're not supposed to have a beard, whether you're supposed to be a crew cut or whatnot. We looked at all these things and we adjusted our lives and then however we felt about that in our anger and emotions that would drop up from those things, this is how we lived. So then, um, in the ne- in the, excuse me, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, the word mind in that scripture, the word mind is called phronio. It says it's intensively to interest oneself in with concern or obedience. It implies moral interest or reflection and not mere reasoning. It's also translated as the animal mind. That's the first time I ever heard about it because it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That mind is actually translated the animal mind. This thing up here, the one that tells you where to, to flee when you're scared, to stand up and fight. Those things come from here. And he said, let this mind be in you. So this is where the devil messes with us. So I've got a story. There was years ago, I used to wrestle in high school. And when I was an underclassman, we, uh, we would help with the events. And so we would do the time, we'd do the scoring and all that. And this one event I was at, I was helping with the time, timing, and uh, there was this heavyweight bout. And I had to slip away for a second, and I walked around this corner, and there was this statue. I had to look at it for a second, because it was a man. No, it wasn't. It was a kid. He looked like a man. <laughs> he was a high school junior. He had more hair on him than more gorillas have. I mean, and, and just built and stout and thick. And he was just standing there just like this. He's just getting ready for his match. And he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't looking anywhere. So I got back to the table. And the other kid that was wrestling was from a local school here. And he was... I don't like to be cruel, but he was a doughboy. He was. He was like a ball on sticks. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't wrestle at a heavyweight level just because you're heavy. You've got to have some muscle. You've got to have some skills. You've got to have some ability. So he had that. He had won some matches I'd seen him wrestle before. And he's out there, and he's, just, he's white. He's kind of pasty white. He's just big. And I think one of the reasons that he was so hard to wrestle with is you couldn't get your hands on him. It's just kind of the way it was. So anyway, his coach has him facing away from the mat. and He's just getting in his face, just getting in his face. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And this other guy walks out on the, on the floor, on the mat, and he's just kind of standing there like this. <laughs> he says, okay, go get him. And that kid turned around, and I said, I've never seen a a kid that white turned whiter. <laughs> but what it was was confidence. The guy at that point, when he was at that stage in, in his mind, yeah, I can take him. And when he turned around and he looked at this guy, he lost. He lost before he got on the mat. You know, too often we as Christians, we turn around on that mat and we look at our opponent and we give up. It's too big. It's too big. The disease is too big. The price is too big. The debt is too big. And we give up. 
And yet we'll sing that song, I trust in Jesus. But do we? So these, these um, scriptures we're talking about here, we're talking about confidence. Let's go to the fourth slide, please. This is how it's supposed to be. When you, when you receive Christ, your spirit was renewed. You don't look like your body and your soul anymore. You're built. You're like that guy I was talking about. He's ready. But you'll notice right there at the soul, you'll see that little thing. And I want to thank Andrew Womack Ministries because this is, these are screenshots off his um, spirit, soul, and body. And I suggest that you get listen to them. It's awesome, awesome teaching. But you'll see that valve there. And you'll see where it's located. Located in your soul. So the Spirit of God is speaking to somebody. He's got promises for you. Promises for you. And you're... Your soul is sitting up there. Yeah, let's just let those promises roll through. And then what happens? Let's go to the fifth slide. James 1, 14 through 15 says, the lusts of the flesh are all the I wants. I want health. I want prosperity. I want things better for my kids. I want power. I want control. You know, they contend for the attention. And the problem is, you have another mirror there. It's the Word of God. And the problem is, what are you looking at? Hence the title of the, of the uh, message. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the mirror of the world? Are you looking at those things that are going to choose for you? Or are you looking at the Word of God? And, the, and your mind is trying to decide. I mean, if you ever read The Battlefield of the Mind, Joyce Myers, another good book, I suggest you get it if you haven't. But that battlefield of the mind, see your spirit, it says right after your spirit, when you're born again, is perfect, mature, complete as Jesus is, elevated, recreated, righteous, holy, and pure. That's what you are. You are that right now, today. The moment you got born again, that was you. So what made you think that you were not good enough anymore? You know, there's, there's this one thing I really hate, I really dislike hearing people say, how you doing better than I deserve. Really? You're born again. You're recreated. You're righteous. You're a child of the king. And you're doing better than you deserve? Boy, you're pretty hot stuff. <laughs> it's kind of a humility thing. It's like saying, well, you know, it's the old saying like, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. You are now a recreated being in Christ Jesus. That's where you're at right now. So when somebody says, I'm an old sinner saved by grace, I go, well, what are you? Are you a sinner? Or are you saved by grace? Okay, I'm saved by grace. Okay, you're born again, but you do sin. There's a whole different thing. At this point, born again and can sin, I can go to my father and I can say, Lord, I blew it. Forgive me. Please forgive me. There's a book I picked up <clears throat> from uh, Jim Hockaday. Another book I suggest you get. <laughs> I'm a book salesman today. <laughs> it's called Until I Come. 
And it comes from the scripture, until I come, you shall do the works that I do also. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And I got, I'm usually a real good reader. I mean, I, like, I can get through something like this pretty quick. But I got stuck in the first chapter, and I really got stuck on this first sentence. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he performed many miraculous acts with great confidence and total authority. And I got hung up right there. Where's my confidence? Where's your confidence? We have this spirit within us. Do you realize when Jesus walked on this earth, he walked in the fullness of the spirit because the spirit had to come into him because he had to do it like we did. Otherwise, the sacrifice wouldn't, wouldn't have been right. <clears throat> that same spirit indwells you. So do you realize that you have within you full authority? I mean, think about that for a second. Full authority is yours in Christ Jesus. I mean, you're not doing it on your own. This is in Christ Jesus. And so, if you have full authority, what does that mean in your walk or your ministry? Where's your confidence? And that's the thing that we have to, that we struggle with. And it isn't it isn't that that God has changed. It's just that we looked. We went from looking at that mirror of the Bible, the Word of God, and we started looking at the mirror of the world. Can you run to the next slide, please? So the mind feels sick, or the body feels sick, or it hurts. Here's something, I'm dying. has depression, anger, bitterness. On the other side of that is love, power, redemption, peace, joy. But the mind is making a decision. I'm going to slut down the flow of the Spirit. I'm going to crank down because I just don't feel like being joyful, happy. Don't you understand what's going on out here? Don't you see the riots? Don't you feel my body? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and, can, and quickens your mortal body, makes alive your mortal body. But right there in the middle is the thing that stops it. And that is because too often we go by our feelings. Well, I got prayed for, but it still hurts. I believe God, but it didn't happen. Did it? Or did you give up? What does a confident person do? I mean, I've, I've seen some, conf some confident people who when they got slapped down on the ground, no, I'm not staying down here. And they got back up. You'll, you'll, see it on, you'll see it in sports a lot, and guys kind of go through the sports things about the... the uh, well, it was one of the things I was talking to, I forget who it was the other day, but it's like the MMA fighters, you know. You'll see them standing there, and they're just staring at each other. Who's going to blink? Who's going to blink? Then you get out there, and you're in, that, in the ring, in the octagon, and you're going at it, and somebody gets knocked down and gets hurt, and he gets knocked down. He gets up, and he shakes off, and he looks at the other guy coming for him. Or he's like, now I'm going to just cover up and take my beating. <laughs> and, and, you know, it goes both ways, you know. But we have this spirit. If we renew our mind, we can affect our body. 
It's all through the spirit and the thing that controls it is us. See, we have free will. We can't forget about that. We have free will. You can make the choice today what you're going to believe in and what you're going to do. And, you know, and it isn't even we look at this anger and I hurt. You know, the I want sometimes are just the can be, I want my kids to have a better life. I want this to be better for them. I want to do, I want to have better things. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But what is driving you? Is it the I wants? Or is it father? Your word says. And you declare and claim unto the word. Romans 8, 5. It says, for those who are according to the flesh and who are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. And the important thing there is, I know a lot of people like that word control. And that word control doesn't mean he runs you like a puppet. It means that you are listening to the Spirit and you're changing your attitudes or your walk according to the Spirit. And if we do that, then we can say we're being controlled by the Spirit because we're doing as we're supposed to do. But you can turn around and say no because people do it all the time. Um, Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. For you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Another good book, Kenneth Hagin, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. I've read these books. They're good. Now, the interesting thing, if we go to Matthew 28, it's one of the things people, <clears throat> we all kind of get bogged down on some of these things about where authority and whatnot comes. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus, Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Then he says, go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you all the days perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. You know, when you're the body of Christ, it, well, you think about your own body. <clears throat> your head's pretty firmly attached, right? You know, you swivel it right there. It's always attached. What would happen if your head was detached from your body? So, if your head is firmly attached... And all power is in your head. In other words, this is where it comes from, to tell your body to do things, right? Take a breath. I mean, it's automatic, but your mind is still telling you to take a breath. 
tells your heart to beat. Jesus is the head. He says, all authority has been given unto me. Now go. And what does that tell us to do? Go in the authority of the Lord Jesus. But again, it comes down to confidence. Where's your confidence in that word? You know, I, I've done this. I've not shared with somebody because I got a little, I don't know what you want to call it, but scared. What do you want to call it? <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's like, why? I mean, I, mean, I had to question myself later. Why? What, what was that person going to do to me? Like, not like me? I mean, honestly, I mean, what's the worst they could do? Not like me? Yell at me? But I lack confidence. And we got to have confidence. You got to have confidence in this, in the Spirit of God to guide and lead you into all truth. When we looked at those mirrors, if you go back to that, that back slide, last slide, you have a last slide. You have a choice on where you're going to be looking. See, the world's going to tell you some things here. You know, you go to the doctor, and this is why confidence has to be so important. You go to the doctor and say it's a bad diagnosis. Is your confidence in him? In the mirror on the left? He's reflecting something at you that you are you're going to go through a rough time? This could be fatal. Are you going to look at that? Or are you going to have confidence in what the word says? By his stripes I have been healed. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. What are you going to stand on? And the other thing is, so while you're talking to the doctor and he gives you this word and he says, by the way, your cancer, whoop, time out, not mine. I suggest anytime you ever go to talk to the doctor and he's telling you, well, your diabetes, your cancer, your, no, not mine. It doesn't belong here. It may be in here. I may have to deal with it for a while, but it's not mine and it doesn't belong here. And you got to have that fighter's confidence. You got to have that confidence. Is this true or not? And I'll tell you right now, if you don't believe this is true, then you're up a crick. You are. Yeah, you're going to heaven probably earlier than you should. But you're up a crick. This has to be true. When you look at that mirror on the right, and you're operating that valve in your mind, you have to decide, yes, my body hurts, but. Now, there's an old saying I, I had, and I can't remember who gave it to me, or if it was just the Lord gave it to me one time, but says, you've got to keep the promise on the right side of your butt. Took you a little slow on that. <laughs> but if you look at this, of course, we're looking to the right, but your promise is on the right. Now, somebody will tell you, well, you, uh, you have cancer. Yes, but by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. You're broke. Yes, but my God shall provide all my, right? See, the problem is when you say, 
Well, I know my God heals, but I'm sick. I know my God prospers me, but I don't have a job. And the last thing you walk away with is the doubt and unbelief. And your confidence becomes in the doubt and unbelief. So what am I going to do to get better? Well, I'm going to take all the vitamins, all the, I'll go through the, all this, I'll go through all that. And your mind just takes you down those paths. And the word is always trying to tell you, come back. <laughs> come back. Come back to where you're perfect and mature and complete. You're restored. You're righteous. You're standing before the Father, holy and pure. And he will withhold no good thing from his children. Are you a child of God? He will withhold no good thing from you. You've got to stand on that. It is so important to grab hold of that. So if you go to the seventh slide. Here you are. I woke up, looked in the mirror. I'm get a new mirror tomorrow. <laughs> and, and that's true. I mean, too often we look, we look at the internal of our bodies, we look at the internal of our souls, and that becomes the mirror we look at, and we, we get tired of, why does it always look like this? James 1, 22-25 says, <clears throat> excuse me, I should wait for you guys to catch up with those things, I'm sorry. But James 1, 22 through 25, it says, but be doers of the word. Obey the message. <laughs> Obey the message. And not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, He's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. He thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres into looking into it, but not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience. That is so important. You know, there's a scripture in there, and I forgot to write it down, but I think it's in James, probably the next one up. But it, it says that, you know, you say that your faith without works, but let me show you my faith by my works. And that's that's where that confidence come in that I, I have seen, I have believed, I do. If you don't do, do you believe? That becomes the other thing. If you're not a doer, are you a believer? Oh, I believe in the word. Oh, you do? Really? Let's see your works. Well, I'm not into works. You know, you can't get saved by works saved by grace. Interesting thing is, one of the things I, uh, at one of the men's meetings, I, I had done some looking at the word works. I think it's in the New Testament over 217 times. 
If you look at Revelations, what does he talk to the churches about? I know your works. And he chastised them for their works or their lack thereof. You know, in 1 Corinthians, this is a little off. Sorry, time. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, start at verse 11. <clears throat> it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. But if anyone builds on the foundation, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, the work of each one will become plainly and openly known, shown for what it is, for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. For if the work which any person has built on this foundation, by any product of his efforts, survives this test, he will get his reward. That's the gold, silver, and precious stone. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer loss for it, for, for it all, losing his reward, though he himself will be saved, but only as one who's passed through the fire. You know, honestly, when I get to that place, there'll probably be a lot of smoke around me. <laughs> but, I'm really hoping I've put some gold and silver precious jewels in there too to be refined. But this, this is part of the thing. Jesus looks at our works. Titus 3.8, which is a favorite scripture of mine, it says, teach your people to do good works. That's part of what ministry is about, whether we're here on Wednesday night Bible study or Sunday morning services. We are to teach to do good works. So when you go out into the world, you're doing the work of him who, like Jesus said, I do the work of him who sent me. That is being charitable. It's being giving. It's being loving. It's being kind. It's also being in your face once in a while. I mean, people like to think of Jesus as this really nice guy that went around and life is beautiful and butterflies and marigolds and all this stuff. But you know, when he walks in your face and he says, listen, you white-throated sulpucker, full of dead men's bones. Yeah, that's my Jesus. Yeah, you guys, what are you doing in here selling in the temple? I think I'll just build me a little whip here and chase him out. And I can imagine... You know, I've, you've ever, obviously, you've probably all seen movies with fight scenes and tables are flying and all that. Can you imagine walking through there and the table's flying and the scales and the money and all this is flying all over the place? That's my Jesus. But he's also the one that knelt down and drew in the sand when they brought the woman caught in adultery. And they say, well, do we stone her? It says we should. You who's without sin cast the first stone. They went away. That's my Jesus. 
And he told her, he says, where are your accusers? Well, they're not here anymore. Well, go and sin no more. You know, my Jesus sat in a room and the power of God was there to heal them all. Do you know the power of God is here to heal you all? Right now? It's here right now. He sat in that room. The power of God was present to heal them all. And they let down a, a paralytic through the roof. And it says he looked up and he saw their faith and their works. It doesn't say works, but they were doing work. They tore that roof off and they lowered this guy down. He wanted to come down and see Jesus. And they brought him down. And he told them to go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Pick up your bed and walk. The power of God was there to heal them all, and they got all upset because they didn't like my Jesus. You're not obeying the law. Only God can forgive. Well, okay, you're healed. Pick up your pallet and walk. That's my Jesus. Do you know that same power is in you? Here today, now? When you walk out of here? When you go down the street to the to the corner store and somebody's there, that power is in you right now. That's your Jesus. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You have total authority. Do you have confidence? That's my question. Do you have confidence? Do I have confidence? I have to look at myself every day. Do I have confidence? Do I have confidence to believe what he said in here, that if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover? That if I tithe and give, that he will... Give back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Shall men give into my bosom? He is not a counterfeiter. He's not going to rain pennies from heaven. But he's going to move on people. He will make deals come through that you need. If you're in business for yourself, you need that. You need contacts. You need people coming by that want what you have. If you're a salesman and, you're, and you are on commissions, you need people to come in there and say, I, I want that refrigerator. I want that air conditioner. I want what? You need those things. Now, you can't go out there and grab a buttonhole them, but you know, if you pray to the one who knows, he'll go talk to somebody over here and say, yeah, you know, you, you need that refrigerator. Herb's got it. And somebody will come by. How'd you hear about me? I don't know. I just was driving by and I just felt like I'd come in here and I need a refrigerator. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. He's the one who indwells you, quickens you. If we're willing to listen and have confidence in what we hear. Confidence. I mean, I, I want to I be like that kid that wrestled that day where he just walked out on the mat and he just... <sighs> I mean, I, I wrestled in high school, so I mean, I know that feeling when you're feeling really confident. And you look at the other guy and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I felt both ways. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, look at, I look at numbers. I'm going to go to numbers 13. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. And verse 33. Well, I'll go to 32. Numbers 13, 32. So the story is the Jews have come across to the promised land. They've been across the desert. They're sitting at the border. They sent the spies in. 
So the spies come back, they come back with all these grapes, they come back with all these wonderful things. So, it says here, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. Now understand, I'm in the King James there. Got to amplify, get a little more minutes. It says they brought the Israelites, an evil report of the land which they had scouted out, saying, the land which you went out to spy, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, the Israelites had just come across this desert. They had been fed. They had been clothed. They had won every battle they had ever crossed. Then they got to this place. They sent these spies in, and they came back with this evil report. And it says, it's the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, or giants, the sons of Anak, who come from the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Oh, and by the way, so we were in their sight. They just had to add that. I mean... We felt pretty small, but I'm sure we felt small to them too. And the children of Israel looked at that and they said, oh my God, we can't go in there. This same God that's taking care of us all these days across, he can't possibly. He wants us to go in there and die. Their confidence was in an evil report versus the word of God and the actions that they had seen all those days going across to that point. And their confidence fell on the evil report. And on that evil report, a generation died in a desert so that the next generation could come up and say, we can take this. It took 40 years. They were never supposed to be out there 40 years. They were supposed to be in there sooner. You know? Joshua <clears throat> made, a, made an agreement with some people in the promised land and, G- and the Lord said, don't make any agreements. None. I don't care what they say. But they came up and says, oh, we're just a poor little tribe. Don't hurt us. Oh, well, must be all right. They're, they look kind of sad, look kind of ratty. We can make an agreement with them. Confidence. The Lord says, no. I'm kind of confident myself right now whether I see we can make an agreement with them. And they brought their idols into the camp of Israel. From that day forward, every time Israel moved, they had an idol following them. They made an oath with those folks, a covenant that they were never supposed to make because they lacked confidence. If the Lord tells you to do something, do it. Tells you not to do something, don't. Believe me, it'll go much better for you if you pay attention. But John fourteen twelve would be my last scripture. I guess actually I'm going to go down to uh, 
16, then I'll go back up. But Jesus said in verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him. We camped on this scripture for a while. You know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. We're past the shall be in you. He's in you now if you're a born again believer in Christ. But in verse 12 He says, very verily, I say unto you that he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. You got to understand this, folks. Jesus made a proclamation over us. The head of the body said, you shall do greater works than these because I go to the Father. There's really only one work we cannot do. We cannot bring somebody to salvation. That is through Christ. We can tell them about the salvation that is available to them through Christ. But only Christ redeems them. We don't redeem anybody. But we can tell them about Christ. Healing, prosperity, love, joy, peace, hope. That's all in us. And he has told us to do that. Greater works than he did because he went to the Father. So my challenge to you and to myself is where's your confidence? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the world? Are you looking at your situation? Or are you looking at the Word and the Spirit? The Spirit of God will lead you and guide you in all paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because he loves you. He is in heaven praying for us and he's given us marching orders and he has given us total authority. So where's your confidence? What are you looking at? And I trust you're going to lean more to this. <laughs> I mean, I understand the world is going to throw things at us and they're going to, but come back to this every time. If you come back to this, this is your foundation. You'll stand firm in the face of trials. You'll be that house built on rock and not on sand. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the blessing of being here. I thank you, Father God, for the love that you shed abroad in our hearts. And Father, as we play this last song just before we go, Father, I just thank you for what it meant to me and my family when we first heard it. And I just give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This song is the first really word song we ever heard when we were first born again. I found a new way of praying. I started praying the word. Just believe in what God said and not what I've always heard. Find my feelings would fool and lead me wrong every time reason ruins receiving so i'm not trusting my mind when i'm casting down
I'm finally feeling by faith I didn't get it by thinking I only got it by grace When my mind tries to tell me The word of God is untrue I don't let doubt and deceive me I'll tell you just what I do that cast down those imaginations the old songs are still good <laughs> thank you folks for coming tonight drive safe going home blessed and released in Jesus name thank you for taking the time to listen today if you would like more information about Faith Family Church including service times and location visit faithfamilybillings.com 